Thank you for tuning in to Voice of Islam Jamaica. The following is a recorded program of a live show. Please do not call in, but feel free to send messages on our WhatsApp line at 876-283-9533. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May the peace and blessings of God be unto you. Hello dear listeners, welcome once again to Voice of Islam brought to you by the Ahmadiyya Muslim community here in Jamaica. Here at Voice of Islam, we seek to educate the general public on issues and matters and also questions that people may have about the religion of Islam. I am your host, Imam Ibrahim Fawson. Voice of Islam is sponsored and brought to you by the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And for the knowledge of the new listeners, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is one of the over 70 denominations in Islam this community believes in the advent of the reformer of the age, the promised Messiah, in the person of His Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmed. Spread across over 200 countries, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is a peace-loving community which rejects any form of violence against God's creation. Our motto is love for all and hatred for none. Today on Voice of Islam, we are looking at a very important topic, and the topic is marriage in Islam. In other words, the sanctity of marriage in Islam. As usual, I'm joined in studio by Imam Tariq Azim, and for the new listeners, Imam Tariq Azim is the president and missionary in charge of this community, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community here in Jamaica. Imam Tariq, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu and welcome to Voice of Islam. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings be upon you and all the listeners. And in the course of the program, if you want to be part of it, please join us by way of WhatsApp. Send your messages to 876-283-9533. Again, 876-283-9533. Imam Sab, let's just get the ball rolling. As I stated, we are looking at marriage. Marriage is a very important institution in almost every society. And it is something that almost all religions, whether um, in Islam, in Christianity, Hinduism, or any other religion, marriage is a very important institution. In Islam, if we say marriage, what does marriage mean or what is marriage in Islam? Yes, um, marriage is one of the most important institutions or one of the most fundamental system basically of um, a society. And obviously as we discuss more throughout this program, um, I will be expressing more about it that how it is essential in forming a peaceful and harmonious society. But as you ask, what is marriage in Islam? Marriage basically is uh, generally, as we understand it, legally or formally recognized union of two people that are male and female. That's what marriage is. And uh, when we look at it further, we see that among humans, and not just humans, but rather animals and plants and whatnot, God has made a system that for the procreation, for the reproduction of continuation of life, two opposite genders come together and that system of repro- re, you know, reproduction and procreation continues. 
God Almighty has distinguished between other forms of life and humans in this manner that for us there is a marriage that takes place that brings those two people together, sure. male and female. And that marriage itself, marriage is basically a contract that is taking place between two parties, man and a woman. And the purpose of this contract is to preserve, to take care of the rights of both genders. That is one of the reasons. So men, man and women both are protected when this contract takes place. And in case of an annulment of a marriage, both parties have you know, uh, been taken care of in, a, in the right way, in the right manner. That's one aspect of it. And the second aspect of it, marriage, according to Islam, protects the society from uh, social evils, many types of societal harms, as we will be discussing later in the sure. program. Uh, in, in your submission, you stated that a marriage is um, a social contract, basically, between Correct. two individuals, a male and a female. Um, does the mental state of the would-be couples, does it matter? The age requirement and compatibility are these factors that Islam take I mean, the keen interest in? Yes. In Islam, there is a concept in Islamic jurisprudence, basically. It's called kufuv. And kufuv is basically to make sure that the two people to, sure. to become married couple they are uh, compatible with one another. Okay. And when I say compatible, it doesn't just mean one thing or two okay. things. No, it means looking at all the aspects and, look at and then considering that would they be compatible for each other. For example, uh, it is not sufficient that uh, a man and woman both have similar interests, so sure. therefore they be considered compatible. No. no, but rather look at their age difference, look at uh, what kind of... Uh, you know, community or background they're coming from. Again, Islam does not say that, uh, Islam does not, uh, you know, basically, uh, I should say, uh, be believe in class system. Sure. But at the same time, for the survival of, of the a marriage. marriage, it is necessary that for more, you know, better likelihood, for likelihood of the survival of marriage, if two people come from similar backgrounds, there is a better chance of marriage. So instead of forcing somebody, when I say forcing, meaning sure. uh, just one or two other things line up, we say that they are perfect for each other. No. Rather, we should consider that all generally, on, on many or different grounds, um, uh, would the couple be compatible with each other or not? That is one thing. So as you mentioned, education is there. Sure. You look at the education. If one is highly educated and the other is, is completely illiterate, sure. they might have not much in common otherwise either. Sure. right? And you're making the, the, the marriage difficult right off the back. Similarly, if they're both coming from different uh, financial background, different challenges in their lives. For example, if a woman is coming from a very wealthy background and she marries to a, to a man who, who basically has almost nothing to even keep himself or his family alive in a way, right, to survive. So it might become very challenging for that woman to survive because she has never seen challenges in her life. Sure. Again, that does not mean Islam says they cannot get married. But it is just something that Islam says, consider it before going forward with it, right? Islam tries to be practical with its teachings. Sure. It doesn't just say that, uh, ignore everything and, you know, just, yes, just yes. believe in fall, faith and fall go. in love. And just fall in love. Yeah. And, no, so Islam says, check the compatibility. And that term for that is kufr. Okay. But then again, one thing I must clarify, in today's society, people go on waiting to okay. get married and they go past their... 
generally expected age yeah. of yeah. marriage. Sometimes they're late 30s and they've never been married. It doesn't happen too much here, but okay. in certain countries such as USA, Canada, UK, you see this. People are 40 years old and they've never been married. And they say that we have never found the perfect person for ourselves. But you have to be lenient in that. You can't go expecting everything to line up. To line in up. some and things you have to compromise. Order, yeah. And that's what marriage is. Okay. Marriage is a, a union between two people. You have some things that you sacrifice for the survival sure. of the marriage. And your partner also makes some sacrifices sure. for the survival of marriage. And that's what marriage basically is. What about age? Um, does Islam fix any age of maturity for, for would-be couples? Uh, age of maturity, base, it, it is, has be always been different from time to time. Sure. You know, for example, somebody um, at uh, 16 years of age today sure. uh, might be considered mature. Yeah, in Jamaica. In, in Jamaica, in, yeah. right? But maybe 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, we might say that you know, children are not mature even at 16. Sure. Uh, they're still children, so let's move this up to 21. I'm just sure. giving an example. Sure. 30 years, 50 years down the road. So this age of maturity keeps changing, but the key component to remember yeah. is the age of maturity. Okay. Whatever the age of maturity is, where somebody uh, can fully understand and give consent with their, you know, understanding what they're saying, that would be the age of maturity. And that is when a man or a woman should be allowed to marry. In this case, then I think the rule of the land matters, I mean, most. Um, if, for instance, in Jamaica, um, the age of consent is 16, then that becomes almost the age that um, marriage could be um, allowed in the Islamic society. For instance, if uh, in a particular so Islamic society, the age is said to be 18 or the age is said to be 21, then that is the general agreed one which almost everybody has to play. Yes, that's correct. Go, and, go I, and I'll just give you an example. Sure. In, uh, uh, Brother Ferguson, you are from Ghana. From Ghana yeah. In Africa, I have noticed myself yeah. that what happens is that if you see a 16-year-old person, sure. you don't consider that person a child. He is yeah. a person who can help the families. Yeah. Take in care of a cases, family, yeah, in, yeah. you know, in many in some, cases. In some families, that, yeah. That's how it is in many parts of Asia sure, as well. Sure. But if you go to the USA or Canada or UK, when you look at a 16-year-old, you would say that this person probably needs another five, six years sure. to... to, to, <laughs> to come, come of age, basically. Come of age. Sure. So that can differ place to place. So yeah. it's hard to, as you stated, we have to follow the law of the country. Sure. That's what Islam teaches when it comes to marriage and most other, basically in, every, in um, all other things as well. Now, um, you also mentioned something like uh, it's a contract, social contract. That contract, how is it? Is it a written contract or verbal or it could be both? It could be both. Historically, basically in, in 1400 years ago sure. when Islam was founded by Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, it was a verbal contract, uh, but it, uh, it takes place in front of a gathering. So there might be 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever people, and the marriage is announced in front of them. So that is basically that makes it a binding contract because there are two parties involved and there is witnesses involved. Everybody knows that these two people, this man and this woman, are getting married. Sure. And now, God forbid, some down the road something goes wrong between them in the marriage, then at least the husband or the man or the woman cannot just go away saying, no, 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 you were never married. So I have no rights towards sure. that person. No. 
but that's why it's, it becomes a contract in present day situation it is a written contract okay. because uh, this you know as humans the um, demand of the time exactly makes the it, demand makes of the time so makes it so okay. yes um let's look at this um if marriage an obligatory factor in islam um for a person who is qualified to do so we have stated um we've, we've spoken about the age of course the age of maturity that if a person reaches the age of maturity even in that sense when the person reaches the age of maturity it is not too uh, compelling for the person as soon as you reach for instance if a particular age is set like 16 or 17 or 18 or 20 if it, that is what is agreeable by the society as soon as the person reaches that age it doesn't mean that the next day i mean by force go and get married that is not how yes. it is but then in general marriage as as a general topic is it compulsory in islam that when a person is of age and has the means to do so they are supposed to do so or they can wait and say okay i don't want to get married How no islam in islam it? it is obligatory to to get married if the means and uh, everything is there the requirements are met yeah yeah basic basic means and uh, when i say basic means not that i set my own standard, standard that sure. once i have 10 million in bank account that's when i'm going to get married sure. no it means that when you have the basic means um, you can take care of a wife and children, children that yeah. that will come from there then you should you should get married um basically islam is a very practical religion sure as humans we have certain physical needs sure we have certain natural tendencies keeping those in mind um to say that i'm not going to get married either means that we don't have those physical desires and those natural tendencies um so therefore that kind of person can be considered exempt sure but generally when we have those needs that means that we have to channel them now through legal means when i say legal means meaning religiously legal one that god has allowed so to do that god has given the the, the system of marriage many a people today that say that we we're not going to get we're not going to get married what they are doing is they're having relationships outside of marriage that's the problem and then that's where the real problem occurs they're not saying that no we don't need to get married because they are admitting by having relationships outside marriage sure. that physically the need is there to get married but because of their um uh, because of the obligations and the responsibilities that come with marriage they're trying to escape those so in islam considering the physical nature of man marriage is necessary the prophet founder of islam peace be upon him he said that it is my sunnah it is my practice that i have i've gotten married and so should you meaning if you have the means you should get married i'll give you another reading sure. another narration of holy prophet muhammad Sarala peace and blessings of god be upon him he has said that o company of the youth he who can afford to marry should marry for it keeps the eyes cast down and keeps the man chaste and he who cannot afford to marry should take to fasting for it will have a sobering effect upon him so now here prophet peace be upon him has given both the meanings now both the situations one he said that you should get married because it 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 helps you stay sure. pure sure. it helps you stay chaste to overcome certain societal dangers societal dangers and then he said that for some reason if somebody does not have the financial means to get married then what he should do he should observe fasting he should reduce the amount of food he takes in he should become more uh, worshiping and praying to god almighty because that will give him the strength to overcome 
to overcome the physical desires that he has and he does not he would not have to go towards something illegal something uh, immoral and and cause problem to himself as well as to the society so this is what basically islamic uh, teachings are in regards to marriage and as i mentioned before too that when we don't get married and you know if, if it becomes a norm it means that people are having relationships now outside of marriage and sure. that poses a lot of societal risks and that because is, that of is that also frowned upon by the scriptures frowned upon by the scriptures Christianity in the bible exactly. or in the quran or in any no um, religion allows it otherwise sure. right so you're running into um teenage pregnancies because of lack of marriage in the society sure. you're running into certain diseases that S are associated yeah, STDs, with it std is actually transmitted diseases and so on and so forth so I mean, we'll look into some of those things, I sure. guess, in the uh, in later part of the episode. But um, so, therefore, Islam, being a practical religion, says that we should get married when we uh, when we are of the age, as well as we have the means to do so. Thank you very much, Imam Tariq. And um, if you have just joined us, you are listening to Voice of Islam, brought to you by the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community here in Jamaica. On today's program, we are talking about marriage in Islam. And I'm joined by Imam Tariq Azim, who just took us through um, what marriage um, means in Islam and as to whether marriage is um, obligatory when a person has the means to do so or not. And in the course of the program, if you want to join us, please, uh, by now, if you are a regular listener, you know what to do. Send us a text message by way of WhatsApp to 876-283-9533. Imam Tariq, um, I want you to do something um, now. It is usually something that I come across when we talk about marriage. Can you take us through the Islamic process? For instance, let's use Mr. A and Miss um, B. They've seen themselves. They want to get married. Two of them are of the age and they qualify almost all the things we have spoken about. And they want to get married. Can you take us through the process that they go through before we can say, now they are allowed to get married there are many practices which are cultural and then pe they become con or people start considering them as part of the religion so in reality many of those practices for example in any case of forced marriage would not be an islamic marriage sure. it might be happening in a muslim household but islam does not condone that kind of marriage. and also the fact that a person who might be doing that is a muslim does yeah. not necessarily mean that it is something that Islam allows. Exactly. As you s gave an example, Mr. A likes Miss B and can they get married now? Sure. Islamically, yes, they can. There is no restriction on them. If they um, both agree, then there is nobody else that can sure. stop them sure. technically. Sure. Uh, in a society, sometimes there are challenges posed, but religiously, sure. there is no obstacle between them in getting married. Sure. But Islam does suggest a method of getting married okay. and that is that they do not holy quran is very clear on this that when a man and a woman they like each other and they they, they think that they're good for each other they should get married instead of making promises and pledges and you know having secret Starting meetings what they, what they call courtship yes yeah. that that would not be allowed even making promises will not be allowed out of uh, marriage extramarital relationships will not be allowed if they think they are made for each other, then they can approach a third person to um, take the proposal on their behalf. For example, if the uh, if the woman thinks that she wants to get married to the man, then she can ask maybe a relative of hers or some other person that she trusts to go and uh, speak with the man that she's interested in. Sure. And, uh, or vice versa. If or the vice man, versa. If the man, Either way, yeah, there is sure. no 
there is no that one has to propose in the case of prophet muhammad peace be upon him we see uh, that in the case the, of the, the first wife the yes. wife proposed to, to the him. wife proposed sure, exactly sure. she sent the proposal through another uh, family another member yeah. another family member or a close uh, well-known person to her somebody she trusted to take the proposal so sure. that is the islamic method that you can propose but don't make any promises in secret that's where the real problem lies that people become so closely attached that uh, they make pledges and promises in between themselves and and the situation gets so far out of hand that they they start having um, basically relationships outside sure. of marriage they start living together and then they're later on deciding if they're going to get married or not. No, Islam does not support that. Islam says if you two people like each other, sure, they can send a message of proposal through someone. And then if they agree, then the marriage be announced. And then after that, they can go on living together. So, that is the method. So um, I, I, I think um, when the, in the case of the man who has seen the woman and um, he says, I intend to spend my life with this woman, you're saying that um, he should use somebody from his family through the family member or whoever a man could in he by his own go a woman might need i mean somebody like a, i mean a, a, we call wali to kind of play that kind of role for for them when they go and the proposal is accepted of course for two people who have already met themselves the agreement is already there so the likelihood of the proposal being accepted is high so once the proposal is accepted what else might follow? I mean, I, there are a lot of young yes, guys, young guys yes, who are listening to yes. us, and they want to know how these things are done. Yes, sure. yes. So what we are talking about is that this is the practical situation while we're living in Jamaica. If a young person is listening, um, this is how we go about sure. marriage. Not necessarily young. Any person who, who wishes to get married and they think that somebody is suitable for them, this is the appropriate method that they uh, go through a third person and then the proposal is taken to the other sure. party and of course if they both have already shown that type of sign towards each other that they're interested that, that it would just be a you know a few moments and then everything would be agreed upon so after that what happens is that there is a formal ceremony sure. where an imam or uh, a, any you know leading person sure. in a mosque he will uh, announce that marriage before um, Basically, the people. That is after the two families have agreed. After the two families have agreed. Almost all certain rights are fulfilled. Exactly, sure. exactly. He will go before and before the crowd and he will announce the marriage. And in the gathering, he will take approval from both sides, sure. male side and the female side, okay. that do you agree to, you know, into the, for this marriage. And if they agree in front of the public, that is considered a formal marriage taking place. One more aspect of marriage is the setting of the dowry. Dowry, yeah. And dowry is also basically a, a, a money that that the husband is promising to give to the woman after they get married. Okay. Right. Not just in a case of divorce. After the case of marriage, that is woman's right. That you know she she is deserving according to uh, the teachings of Islam. So that amount needs to be a very reasonable amount, not something so insignificant where we see in certain cultures, they, they, they put something which is not valuable at all. Yeah. Or some places where they go and they put so much amount of money, which that is not even payable. Payable, exactly. Yeah. Just to say that or please the other party or to show off to the people, they say big amounts. But in reality, they're never going to pay. So it is a reasonable amount based on the salary or you know regular income of that person, some amount that he can pay that 
that would take care of the lady uh, for, for her personal needs in case of you know continuation of the marriage or especially if the marriage breaks at least she will have some money to to help herself get on her stand on her feet i think in the ahmedia muslim community generally it is stated that at least about six months the person's um, monthly salary if he's working yes yeah yes. That, that that should be a sufficient amount for, exactly. for to, so to if he make if, if a person is making forty thousand a month then forty thousand making like dollars two hundred and forty thousand two hundred forty thousand straight away he doesn't have to pay all of that on the yeah, day but, of the marriage if, if he has it then he, he can, can pay yes yeah but uh, if the agreement between husband sure. and wife is that the amount will be paid in over the next one year sure that's fine because sometimes somebody might not have it but if the wife says that no i i prefer to have it the day right now, yeah. i get married that is her right because sure. that's the the money is set there for her so in that case uh, the man will wait until he can save that much money and get married so generally to facilitate both parties come to an agreement and then that's how the marriage goes thank on. you very much um we have a lot to talk about so let's go look i mean go to our next subject how important is marriage in islam and also in society in general basically we can establish peace inside home peace inside our hearts as well inside our homes through marriage sure you ask that how is it beneficial to the society or how important it is to the society lack of personal peace results in lack of peace at home sure and lack of peace at home results in lack, lack of, of societal of peace yeah. lack of peace in our society so marriage is extremely important for uh, peace and betterment of our society and community in many regards we look at the example of uh, prophet adam and his wife eve yeah. god brought them together god said that you are one sure right and that was in way a marriage that took place between them and you know they established they started living in life of uh a paradise and you know harmonious sure. and peaceful and enjoyable life so that's where at the beginning right when before all the troubles came according to the bible they were living a very peaceful and harmonious life that it was through the marriage that that they had they were able to find peace and comfort in each other the holy quran says that that men and women both have been created as a as, as a covering for each other sure. and they both give comfort to each other so this is very important when if there are husband and wife that are married and they're living together they bring they build a peaceful home and that house that home builds a peaceful society that is important very important to understand but how important so, uh, marriage is, is in our society in general sure. we just look at um, children sure. who are born inside marriage and outside marriage out of wedlock that's a very important important subject you've touched on and when we just look at th this matter it becomes very clear to us that what how important it is sure right so um we see so many examples where single mothers are raising their children why because the the husband uh, you know that uh, that was the father of the child has gone away sometimes even before and uh, the child was born and in some cases when the child is still young in jamaica they say that there is a, statistically speaking there is a 50 50 chance that a child will be born and it will have his father around or it won't have him around 50 50 chance so basically one and two will not have it around have have a father around 
and that causes serious problems in our society. If we look at diseases and crimes that, that happen because of um, you know, lack of marriage, we talked about sexually transmitted diseases. If there are married people, people are married, they live a far better life health-wise. We gave the example of sexually transmitted diseases, STD. That's one thing. But if somebody is married, there was a survey done in yeah. the USA recently, sure. and it surveyed 127,000 people. And I'll, I'll read this uh, from this article that I found on the university's website of Harvard. It states that a major survey of 127,545 American adults found that married men are healthier than men who were never married or whose marriages ended in divorce or widowhood. Men who have marital partners also live longer than men without spouses. Mm. Right? And then it says, And the longer a man stays married, the greater his survival advantage over his unmarried peers. But, so, I mean, it's very clear from here. Sure. Right? It gives you a very clear idea that how important marriage is to our society. It prolongs our lives to be very... Sure. Like, uh, you know, a very, a very, a very interesting and gives us revelation. better health. And now the, listen to this one. This is also from the same article. And now it's talking about how it benefits human heart. So it, uh, they even checked that how marriage affects cancer. So they said that we cannot come to a conclusion that how it affects it directly. But when we look at statistically... People who are married into, you know, in happy marriages, they're less likely, uh, likely to develop some form of cancer, right? So this is just because of the health generally would be better of those people and they would be able to stay away from such harmful things sure. that, that protects them from such, such diseases uh, as cancer. Regarding human heart, it is mentioned in the same article that if marriage protects health, the heart would be, li would be a likely beneficiary. Japanese scientists reported that never married men were three times likely to die from cardiovascular disease than married men. So people who were not married, three times more likely to die because of some heart-related problems, cardiovascular. That, that underscores the importance of marriage. Exactly. And it, I mean, it goes on about diabetes and other, other things as well. And I, d I don't want to... Uh, yeah. both our audience with, with these numbers but sure. it gives us an idea that just looking at health factor it brings that happiness uh, harm harmony into our life peace into our lives which goes on to give us uh, many advantages so this is just something health benefit that we derive we look at other I, I mentioned you know that homes that uh, the single mothers raise the, parent, uh, raise the children, children yeah. such fatherless homes there was an article in the Gleaner from 2013 that I came across on the internet and uh, it said that in Jamaica this problem has become so common that sometimes we glorify it, we've normalized it that a single mother is raising all these children. Yes, it is something that we, we, we respect about those women but we have to also consider that just saying that and appreciating that we're forgetting the fact that how necessary it is for God's system that God has created, that men and women raise their children together. What is happening in those homes which, where the father is not present? I'll give you some statistics which are alarming statistics. These are, again, the article from the Gleaner sure. quotes, these, uh, quotes this research from uh, USA. 
um, basically a research that they published. It says that one family or a person uh, who is a fatherless person who grew up without a father around, sure. he, is, he or she is 20 times more likely to end up in prison. 20 times person, more likely. A person without father or without a father figure in the home. In the home. Sure. 20 times more likely. Then it to says... To go to prison. Yes. Than, than somebody who was, you know, brought up with a father figure yeah. in the home. And then you look at this. This is just saying how many more likely, how much more likely they are. But if you look within the prisons, how many people are coming from such fatherless homes? 85% of incarcerated come from fatherless homes. 85% when we look at the society around us this is where it is leading us automatically we are increasing the likelihood of every form of crime petty crime major crime violent crime whatever it might be we are increasing the chance of that by not giving our children um, the right to have I mean I mean exactly physically. and so why does that happen it happens because uh, if there is no marriage between uh, b between a man and a woman and they have children, the father feels no obligation towards the family. And when he is, sure. I should say, um, not happy with the uh, with his wife or with not I shouldn't say wife, the the woman that he is living with, he just walks away. He feels no obligation, and legally he is under no obligation to take care of that woman or that child. But marriage in itself, Islamically as well as legally puts obligation on the father particularly that if you have a child you are going to take care of the mother also and until the child sure. grows up and the child also until he becomes an adult so but th this is the important this is, right? this is this is very very alarming and you know every society um, has their own challenges and their problems in Jamaica to be precise since of course uh, most of our audience listening to us are here in Jamaica, the largest and the biggest problem we have here is crime. And it underscores what you said. It kind of um, you know, relates to what you said, that marriage plays a very important role in having a crime-free society. I, I also came across a research which is also published on the um, Jamaican Observer, and I think the one who wrote it is called um, Helen Cole Nicholas. It is published on the 17th of February 2016. And it also gives an alarming figure. It says, in Jamaica, more children are born out of wedlock than anywhere else in the world. Oh, and shocking. then it costs 86% uh, of children are born out of wedlock. So only 14%. I mean, children are born inside marriage. Mm -hmm. But even if you look closely, by the time those children get to, I mean, like um, puberty or age 14, 15, these 14%, I mean, children who are born in marriages, maybe only half of them may have their parents living with them, even with those who are born in marriages. So if we have this situation, you know, around our neck where 86% of children are born outside wedlock, then it is a very serious problem. And I think once we are able to solve it, we will be able to deal with most of the situations, particularly with crime. And there's another research also, which is also um, on the uh, tele telegraph. Um, it is also dated 2010. It also states that children from broken homes 
are nine times more likely to commit crime than their counterparts who were born in a stable home. So what that means is that if there were ten people, sure. nine of those criminals would be co- ten criminals. Nine of those criminals would be coming sure. from, and homes. only one person will be somebody sure. who had a you know a stable, home stable and family. And, and, and so very family. unlikely that that person would become a stable. So now, from stable if home. we are taking the eighty-six percent of children born out of wedlock, multiplying it by this nine-time figure. We are we are up for only uh, that. That's why when we look at that statistic that I said about eighty five percent, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, gives the same idea. That's very unfortunate. Uh, Let me just quote two, three more examples from that because it is very very important, and I think we need we need to spend some time on that. Yeah, it says that with the same, if there's no father figure around, it is a person is fourteen times more likely to commit rape. Rapes in society. Again, one of the main fig- reason it becomes is the bro- coming from a broken home. A broken home, particularly when father is not around, sure. 14 times more likely to commit rape. Then it says, five times more likely to commit suicide than somebody coming from who has mother and father yeah. both around. Then it says, two times more likely to have children during their teenage years. That's and, now, and then it says, 71% of teenage pregnancies are to children of single parents. So, so now only I mean replicating what they came to find. And then what is going to happen going to happen in the, the next same one? Same cycle is going to continue unfortunately. Almost like a binary theory. So at some point our society needs to realize that what we have been taught in the media in the f- in the fashion and the glamorous world of like TV channels and whatnot that's not all pretty as it looks because these are the consequences of that society sure, sure. which is telling us to to basically go away from the system of marriage and um, basically you know uh, any kind of trust between husband and wife and anything like that and let's go live the life of animals that be free and do whatever you like sleep you know you're sleeping without, here without today any, and your next day responsibility else, without any responsibility so one other 71% of all high school dropouts children who do not complete high school 71% come from fatherless homes so if you want if you want your children to be successful if you want your children to be uh, beneficial members of the society, society contributing yeah. members of the society making good use of their lives please give them a home which is well number 1 has you you and your wife sure. or the you know spouse are married husband and wife you're living as a husband and wife and secondly you try to make the marriage work for the betterment of the future generations we should not be selfish we should not be you know because of our ego say that no i'm not going to live with this person this person that, again yeah. rather make some compromises make some sacrifices because because now it's not just about you now it's about the society what now yeah. it's about the society and the seed that you have planted sure, in the society sure. that is your children. If you want your country, if you want your community, your society to become better, you have to give importance to this basic uh, structure, basic institution in our society that is of marriage. Otherwise, without this, we cannot, we can never establish peace in our society. Thank you very much, Mom Tarek. And you know, earlier we spoke about the, I think we mentioned the family's involvement in marriage. And 
One thing I have come to know, and it is very common, that people want things to happen very cheap. They want things in a very cheap way. However, they want better results. The, the, the involvement of the family, for instance, I got married through my, I mean, my family and the family of my wife are uh, active, you know, parties to our marriage. So when one party is doing something which is not good to the other party, you are not only looking at the person you are dealing with, but then you are also looking at the family in general. You are looking at the honor of your family and also how the other family is going to look at yes. what, how you, you're treating their family member. If it was just one one on one, we just met somewhere in the club and we, we, we just you know decided to live together, nobody cares about any other person. So people treat others like you know they found you very cheap, so they have to treat you anyway. But then if you know that you got your partner from a very respectable you know way, you are going to be very I mean um, dutiful towards towards them. We have uh, about two more um, things to talk about to discuss. One which is very common anytime we go out and preaching, and the topic of marriage comes, you know, to be discussed. People ask. It is very common about polygamy. Polygamy in Islam. Polygamy. Um, people see it as something that exists only in Islam, but then in the Bible, it is it is something which is highly um, accepted. Let's look at polygamy in Islam. Is it a compulsory thing or is an optional thing? If it is an optional, what are some of the underlying conditions that may let a person go for more than one wife? Islam does not say polygamy is mandatory. Islam allows polygamy, meaning multiple marriages. Sure. Islam allows uh, multiple but marriages. With, with, a, with a limit, of course. With a limit, that sure. is four wives. But again, it's not that one must get married for has you know have to have four wives, but it says that in certain situations that need to be considered, it is allowed. And to set the record straight, I have one wife. You have one wife. Exactly. Go, so go go, there's many situations and conditions that need to be considered when polygamy is is you can say that uh, somebody should have more than one wife. Sure. There's many reasons that need to be there for that to take place ideally can you take us through those yes but before i do that it is it is important to understand that this is one of those religious commands that it is allowed and is it is not mandatory okay. therefore if the country disallows it the laws of the land disallow it no muslim person is basically allowed anymore okay. to have four wives as long as he lives within that territory okay so Islam right. encourages us to respect the, the, the laws of the land, basically. Exactly. I think we've said it over and exactly. over. Exactly. So th this needs to be understood. So yeah. why if somebody thinks, a Muslim or anyone else thinks, that uh, living in Jamaica, it would be allowed, as far as I know, the laws don't allow it. This is unfortunate. Now, in the society, we know that people have, might have more than four women, five women, ten women, sometimes that many of the, them that together. That is the irony of the whole thing, that people are doing it. To be honest, I came across a gentleman who told me, and I'm saying this, I mean, I mean, the, the gentleman told me at a particular point in time, he had nine, I mean, ladies, just at a go. No. It is something that is being done, however, in an unlawful way. But then when God has permitted it to be done in a more civilized way, we say, no, that is, that is unacceptable. Yes, exactly. And this is the situation and the same person might be criticizing without understanding the reasoning it. behind it. Sure. So Islam basically says that, again, it is allowed, but then the certain conditions need to be there. Yeah. If somebody decides to get married more to more than one wife, 
for that person the holy quran says you must be just fair in your treatment of your wives justice is the underlying justice is the underlining but in realistically what we see when people generally get married more than one even some among sometimes among muslims also their purpose of getting married is their physical satisfaction heart you know physical uh, desires rather than any good reason so in those cases obviously they will not do justice they will go for most likely the most newest wife that sure. they have married and that's unfortunate that's not islamic teaching islam allows in certain conditions and as i mentioned one of those conditions would be that sometimes because of wars because of natural disasters or some other problems there is uh, uh, sometimes um, there's many widow women sure, sure. left in a society and they have certain needs those are financial needs how they're going to raise their children they have physical needs that need to be taken care of and now if th those women are not allowed to get married to other already married men now because there's a shortage in a society of men there's more women and less men so now what ends up happening is those women either will remain un unmarried and because of their uh, physical needs or their tendencies sure. they might end up causing uh, immorality and promiscuity in the society again we do not say that everybody would become like sure, that sure. but we say that we're talking about a majority because when that happens god has created our natures in such a way that many of us then when we cannot do something legally we try to do it through illegal channels immoral channels so that is one thing islam says that somebody that that has that is already married he notices that there is a widow woman, a widow lady widowed lady in, in the community she is struggling to keep her children alive a man should step forward and take the responsibility not something to please himself rather to as a responsibility as a responsibility but and if you if one cannot do that maintaining justice see most of the people would actually be um not even be willing to marry a widowed lady Th anyways that, that is that is the uh, what i was i was coming yeah. you know uh, to because generally in certain societies people are not so um inclined towards marrying um widows for instance a young man who is at the age of getting married finds a widow one whose husband has passed away this young man would never go for a widow however they would prefer to go for a younger one who i mean to start life with Islam encourages that in cases where people have you know lost their husbands they have children behind if you have the ability you can go in to help the children and also their their mother but the mother does not need only food to survive yeah. since nobody is ready to marry her you can go forward and you know propose and if she agrees then we take her responsibility also as yours and unlike on the other side where you just sneak and go and have affairs with her multiple her bedding Islam says bring her home you know establish a comfort zone for her and the children and take responsibility of them and i think that is the best way and to be honest any time i have to explain this to people who are not muslims they like it 100% than what is going on in the society just to see we already talked about children growing up in fatherless homes sure. how they're more likely to, to commit crime to commit crime to commit rape to commit suicide and stay behind fall behind sure. in education and all these things so when you s look at these women who would be widowed and would have children if they don't have a father figure around those children again we are allowing these kind of crimes to go up in sure. our society so 
allowing polygamy allows us to contain basically these crimes and different societal issues that come into the society. So again, keep in mind that we have to do justice between uh, the wives if, if somebody is married to more than one. And that itself will be a very, very difficult task if the intention is not right. Sure. It would only be possible if the intention was sole, solely to preserve the society and take care of a particular family that is suffering out there. I was just recently reading that in um, after the Second World War, in some parts, I mean, because it's hard sure, to do a sure. survey of the whole world at that point, in certain parts, the where the average uh, or the ratio between men and women for every uh, one man, there was sure. 1.1 women. This went up to, after the war, one man to 1.54 women. And that is national average. Sure. What that means is that it, in some parts there might be more people, that ratio might be even more, that for every one man, there were three women in that society. Sure. Right? But on that average, nationally, for every two men, there were three women. Meaning, um, if there were three women, each of them, one of, one of them from each, you know, the, that three of them, one would be left unmarried completely, sure. like, or she would not have a husband. Why? What's her fault, right? So in Islam, Islam being a practical religion has given that room, has not said that you must it marry more than one wife, but, but it, it says that in certain situations, needs can arise and in there, polygamy must be allowed. And if it is to be abandoned completely, such as we see in Christian faith, where polygamy is uh, disallowed completely by by certain, you know... Uh, Even in that, I mean, in that case, it is... Um, what we find in the modern day Christianity ideology, but in the Bible, as we will get there, um, that's why I said by some yeah, people, sure, not, not sure. by the founders of the religion. Sure, we shall get and, there, and we see that because of their uh, their teaching, certain situations arise. And now, what is happening because of uh, not allowing polygamy or the option, or even it's not, getting it's, it's people are not even getting married, sure. and they're having relationships now. More than more than two, more than three. Sometimes, as the gentleman told me, at a point he had about nine. And this is not only this gentleman. I have had several people who would confess to me. And interestingly, I met a young lady who also told me a similar thing, said that she has about six boyfriends. And when she was asking me about polygamy, why are, are Muslim men so uh, greedy to the extent of taking um, more than one wife? And I asked her, honestly, how many boyfriends do you have in your life? And she mentioned about six of them. And when I asked her why, she said she can't carry all her eggs in a one basket. Meaning she cannot carry all her eggs in one basket. Meaning she cannot rely on one, just one person. Generally, by population, women are more than men. Anywhere in the world. In Jamaica, yes. there's a statistic which shows that I mean, women are about 200,000 women are more than men. If you go to the prisons, there are more men over there than, than, than I mean, women who are there. All these factors, the rate at which men are being killed, in most of the murder cases, it is men who are killed. All these factors reducing the men, you know, ratio to women. If there are 1.3 million men and 1.6 million women, women, and each of the 1.3 get married, the remaining 300,000, what solution does the other religions, particularly in this case, Christianity, um, profess that they, they, they go? Islam says, for those who have already married, if you have the ability, instead of leaving them, to be, you know, uh, work as um, night workers and other things. You can marry them, bring them home, and then provide for them. So I think that is what Islam provides 
And um, at this point, let's look at the Bible as I, I hinted. Is the Bible against polygamy? As we see in um, Old Testament, particularly, sure. we see that polygamy is allowed. We see prophets practicing it. Sure. Right? We see prophet Moses sure. practicing polygamy. Sure. We see prophet Abraham having multiple wives. Sure. At the same time, that sure. is right. We look at uh, prophet David. Sure. Prophet Solomon, considering all those examples and then at the end saying that no, that polygamy is, is wrong or this and that. So what were those prophets doing? Were they committing sin all their lives? God forbid. No. Whatever the reasons were there, they married for those reasons. Right? And they took care of their wives as best as they could and they gave fair treatment to them. In, in most cases, when you ask Christians, they will refer you to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1. Um, which a letter purportedly was written to Paul. And Paul, as we are talking about, was not a prophet. He was not a disciple. God had not given him any authority to write any book. But then some, he was a teacher. And somebody had written him a letter asking about marriage. And Paul was saying that for a man to be, you know, to stay holier, it would be best for him not to touch a woman at all. But for the avoidance of fornication, let every man have his own wife. This is what most Christians rely on. And they say polygamy is not acceptable in Christianity or in the Bible. However, there is a verse in the, in the Bible which talks about when a man has two wives. If, I don't know whether you have that, that, yes, that reference. Yes, this is from Deuteronomy, the one that you're referring to. Sure. 21, chapter 21, verse 15. Sure. Deuteronomy 21, verse 15. Let me, let, let me just get it. And read it to the listeners. Absolutely. Uh, because it's just sometimes the Bible, pe- people just have it, but do not, do not read it. To be honest, God is saying, if a man have two wives, this is God speaking through the prophet Moses, that if a man has two wives. <laughs> I think even that is sufficient to give an idea sure. to a Christian listener that if a man has two, two wives, wives, God starts with that sentence. That's it. Allowing it already before sure. going before further. Go, going, going further but for, yes, the, for the further. Go ahead, go ahead and read. And one beloved and another hated. And they both born him children. So this verse basically, I have it in front of me. I'll read it. It says, sure. if a man has two wives and he loves one but not the other mm-hmm. and both bear him sons. Sure. But the firstborn is the son of the wife he does not love. Yeah. When he wills his property to his sons, he must not give the rights of the firstborn to the son of the wife he loves in preference to his actual firstborn, the son of the wife he does not love. Now so me, this, yeah. it solves everything. God is saying if a man has two wives. Exactly. And if one is loved, one is unloved. Sure. God says that that should not allow you to discriminate between the, between children. the, the children or the rights that each is entitled to. Sure. Going so back to what you stated, <laughs> that the Bible allows sure. for that. So, so um, I think we don't have much time. We have almost exhausted much of our time. If you have any last word, uh, you, could, you, could, you could add it and then we wrap, we wrap up the program. Um, I would just say that we need to make our uh, marriages more successful. Instead of having extramarital relationships, yeah, if yeah. there is yeah. two people, man and woman, living together and... Um, they're thinking of getting married in the future sometime. No, they should get married as soon as possible, rather. That is more important. That will help them preserve their marriage. It will last longer. Secondly, 
their children will turn out to be far better children in, in you know in the situation if they are not married sure so that is my humble request to my listeners and also we if you're already married then i would say that we need to work hard at making our marriage successful and definitely i think we need and to do an takes, episode on that also it takes a lot of sacrifice it takes a lot of sacrifice and compromising but it is necessary for the survival sure. of our uh, of our society see these so, these compromises these sacrifices are far smaller uh, in comparison to the to the consequences, consequences we have to pay otherwise sure sure Thank you very much, Imam Tariq. And to my listeners, this is all that time will allow on today's um, episode on Voice of Islam. And if you just joined us, you have not missed anything. Basically, just um, go to voiceofislamjamaica.com and this program is going to be there um, by the next day. Um, so just, you know, make a time to go there and listen. Please let me say a very big thank you to Imam Tariq who, you know, spent, um, took some time out to come and join us on today's program, taking us through the topic marriage in Islam and also the importance marriage holds in our societies. And I, I think we've spoken about a vast range of topics today. Until we come your way next time with another interesting episode from the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. It is love for all and hatred for none. And assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Salli ala rahimina Salli ala muhammadin Salli ala sa
Salle 